Good morning. I mean, we've already been talking, but I didn't say good morning yet. When you, uh, when you come to own something, do you, are, you, are you in the habit of finding some way to identify it as yours? You know what I mean? Um, to try to prevent losing something? Am I ever glad for the war amps? Because <laughs> they, they give these little key tags. And uh, on, well, yeah, more than one occasion, I have lost my keys. And I actually have gotten them back in the mail. It works. Isn't that awesome? Uh, but there are lots of different ways that we can identify things as our own, right? We could uh, print initials on it like I've done on the bottom of my water bottle. Uh, get somebody to, to iron or stick labels on your clothes. You ever had your mom or your dad do that for you? I remember thinking, Mom, there have got to be limits to this. Nobody, nobody's going to steal my underwear. I remember thinking that as a kid. Nowadays, uh, you can get a name or a picture scanned on almost anything. And uh, some ways they're cute. Uh, you put animals on your luggage, if you like, uh, to identify it as yours, or maybe it's theirs, right? If you own a pet, you might have a, have a name tag or a, a dog tag for your dog. Livestock used to be branded. Thankfully, now they're more humanely chipped. Uh, as are many people's pets now. Many people's pets are chipped. One of the most permanent ways that you can show belonging between people. You say, I belong to so-and-so. One of the most permanent ways you can do that is by getting a tattoo. Now, we're not going to discuss whether or not you like them. But you need to know that you know that you know that you want to get whatever it is needled onto your body. Because according to a five-year study conducted by Premier Laser Clinic, the most regretted tattoo and the one most frequently removed by customers at their clinics was the name of an ex. Now, if you were asked the question, who do you belong to? Who do you belong to? What might you say in response? I know, I know a lot of people would want to say something like, I don't, I don't belong to anybody. Because I'm my own person, I do my own thing, and nobody tells me what to do. You ever heard that? That's what a lot of people will say. And I understand that bid for independence especially if somebody has experienced some sort of abuse or oppression in a relationship. I, I, I get that. But we all have a master. And Jesus made that very clear to those who were secretly planning to kill him. We could go to John chapter 8 to read it. But in a nutshell, in John chapter 8, Jesus said to them, these are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, those who were self-righteous and pretty much hypocritical, And he said to them, your father is the devil. Kind of a a harsh statement. Uh, But the point is, Jesus was saying, and this isn't necessarily the way that we lead in our relationships with people. I don't recommend it. 
But Jesus was saying, you either have one master or you have the other. You're either a, a follower of God as a follower of Jesus, uh, or ultimately you're, you're a follower of the enemy. And, and you might not want that, you might not intend that, you might not desire that, but, but in the spiritual realm, Jesus has shown us that there are two options. And that there is no other middle ground, according to Jesus. And I trust Jesus. Married couples might say they belong to each other. Children might say they belong to their parents. Employees might say they belong to their employers. Can you confidently say this morning who you ultimately belong to? Can you say with, with joy and anticipation, I belong to Jesus? And I hope you can say that this morning. And if you can't say that this morning, then my encouragement to you is not to stop on the path toward coming to that place of saying, yes, Jesus, I give it all to you. I want to follow you. I I, I understand and I recognize what you did on the cross was to set me free and was to, to mend the broken and to forgive the sin. And may it be that none of us would say no to that invitation from Jesus. This is the, the point of the identity crisis that many Christians face. Recognizing who they are, who we are, and who we belong to, or whom we belong to, if it matters to you. Our identity as children of God was stolen, as it were, we talked about this two weeks ago, by Satan and by sin at the dawn of human history. And it was and it continues to be a choice to do our own thing ahead of God's revealed will. And then Jesus restored the potential for us to experience the restoration of that identity. He restored the potential for us to have that identity in him. Who would say amen to that? Summarized so simply and so beautifully in the words of John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. And that was part of what Pastor Wayne talked about last Sunday. And if it's true that whoever believes in him, not Pastor Wayne, just to be clear, but Jesus, (laughs) has eternal life, then there's no other identity, there's no other opportunity, there's no other relationship, surely that we would want to be allowed to ride shotgun, to be given a front seat, than the relationship with Jesus. Did you get a a handout last week? Yeah, if you were here, if you weren't, you probably didn't. Uh, If you got a handout last week, please keep that handy. Some of you will already be familiar with handouts like that. But it is full of life-giving scripture declaring who you are in Christ and what God thinks of you through Jesus. And I encourage you again today, as we've been encouraging you, to read the book, Victory Over the Darkness, if you haven't. Uh, The the copies are here uh, that were ordered and uh, we have a few extras. And so if you'd you'd like a copy but you didn't sign the sign-up sheet, uh, please talk to somebody at the, at the Welcome Center, and we can always order more. That's for sure. 
victory over the darkness. I encourage you more so to read the Bible. Uh, but victory over the darkness is just filled with scriptures, and that's why one of the reasons why it's, it's so wonderful. There are some verses from Paul's first letter to the church at Corinth that describe very well what we've been talking about. And so I want to invite you today to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to go from verses from verse 18 through verse 23. And uh, here are the first three verses. Will you read them with me? Do not deceive yourselves. If anyone among you thinks you are wise in this age, you must become foolish so that you may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. Just go on back. I'm going to stop there. Just thanks. Um, just a fun fact for you that you, you might have wondered. There's actually one uh, word in there that's italicized. It's the word is. And just so you know, when you uh, read through the, through the Bible um, and, and you come to a word that's italicized like that, it's not for emphasis. It's not so you say he is the one, although that, that would be true, right? The reason it's italicized is a completely uh, very interesting reason. It's because that word has been inserted. It's usually verbs. It's been inserted because the verb isn't actually, the word is isn't actually in the text. It's assumed. That's why. Isn't that cool? I mean, maybe it's not. But anyway, (laughs) now you know. All right. But that's not why we're here this morning. All right. What is the standard of this age when it comes to wisdom? Because the one thing to be very clear about, Paul is not suggesting here that wisdom is a bad thing, right? Uh, The second half of this paragraph will give some insight into what Paul means by that. What he doesn't mean is that wisdom is bad. After all, wisdom and word of wisdom is a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit, right? And speaking of which, the end of October has come and gone. And a few people reminded me uh, of what I wanted to get done by the end of October. So if you go onto our website, uh, you will find, or very soon find, uh, it's, been, it's been completed, a list of the spiritual gifts. And we encourage you to identify yours if you haven't yet, so that, because every follower of Jesus, everyone indwelled by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit has at least one spiritual gift. And I emphasize at least. And we encourage you and, and all of us to identify that so that you can prioritize them as God uses you for ministry, for service. Wisdom is about taking our experiences and our knowledge and then exercising good judgment. That's more or less what wisdom is. But there's a word then I think we could go, go, to, the, go to the other verses. Uh, will you please? And now go back. All right. At the end of verse 19, he is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. The word craftiness doesn't mean sneakiness. 
Sometimes that's how we use the word when we talk about, oh, he's being crafty. Uh, It's a reference to wisdom, but particularly worldly wisdom, which is ultimately false wisdom, because this is my understanding of what's meant by this kind of crafty worldly wisdom or the wisdom of the age. The wisdom of the age is wisdom that does not ultimately recognize God as the source of what is good. So that any accomplishment that we may have, any idea we might think of, any creation that we might come up with, if we don't give God the recognition and we consider ourselves to be wise and accomplished and competent, that is the wisdom of this age that does not give due to the one, recognition to the one who ultimately ought to be given recognition for every good thing that takes place because he is our creator. Amen? I really believe that the knowledge and the wisdom of God are best illustrated by computer power. So on the, on the one hand, we have, we have the human wisdom and our ability to, because God's given us amazing minds, that we can come up with creations and we can come up with all kinds of amazing inventions. But the wisdom of God is so much greater than anything that any of us could ever conceive. And I really believe the knowledge and the wisdom of God are very well illustrated by computer power. Let me tell you a little bit what I mean by that. The more amazed that we become at the speed and the breadth of calculations that a computer can make, the more I believe we come to understand the ability of God. So, just recently, Google has made a claim to have created a quantum computer chip. Anybody heard this? A quantum computer chip that is millions of, time, millions of times faster than the fastest supercomputer. Now that's, that's, that's mind-blowing. I mean, it's already mind-blowing that, that this is a computer. Well, th- this isn't. This is a computer. Uh, our, your phone is a computer. And, and how quickly computers can make calculations compared to how quickly we can. And now the suggestion that There's a chip that's been made, a quantum chip, that's millions of times faster than the fastest supercomputer. That's mind-blowing. And however entirely accurate it is, because some people are are questioning that maybe they're they're over-speaking yet, who knows. But I believe that gets us a little closer to comprehending the size and the speed and the breadth of the mind behind the creator of the universe. But it's only a little bit closer. Because the fastest chip that's ever created will never touch the enormity and the amazingness of the mind of God. Do you agree with me? I want to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 16. I just want I, I want to, to reference these verses as well which speak significantly uh, 
to this message about the wisdom of, of people, wisdom of humans versus the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 2 from verse 14, but a natural person, that is somebody who's just functioning in the flesh or functioning in, in their own mind and what they can do and think. But a natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him. And the reality is, I think we are experiencing that Christianity is being considered more and more foolish from what it was decades ago. And that person cannot understand the things of the Spirit because those things are spiritually understood. But the one who is spiritual understands all these things. Yet that person is appraised or is judged by no one from the flesh. In other words, you may, as a follower of Jesus, you do have spiritual understanding. And somebody who doesn't yet have the Spirit of God may very well call you a fool, but that person, what Paul is saying, what the Spirit of God is saying through, this, through these couple verses is, that person at the end of the day cannot properly describe you or understand you or appraise you or judge you spiritually because the person is lacking that spiritual understanding. And if that person could only have the mind of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of him or her, then the light would go on. And they say, now I get it. And so don't be surprised if people who aren't followers of Jesus would call you a fool to believe in the miraculous, particularly the resurrection. That is why most of the disciples lost their lives, those who did die as martyrs, not because they believed Jesus died, but because they kept proclaiming that Jesus rose from the dead. That was the reason. For who has known the mind of the Lord that that person could instruct him? But we've been given the mind of Christ. Not in its completeness, absolutely not. But more and more, little bit by little bit, as God will reveal to us as he knows we're able, until after this life, when we will experience it even more, an understanding and a tapping into the mind of Christ. What an incredible, incredible reality. An incredible part of our identity in him. What's absolutely critical is the recognition that as good and, and, and as valuable and as encouraging it is to recognize people for their accomplishments. And we need to do that because we need to encourage each other. As good and valuable as that is, we then need to give recognition to the creator, not just the created. Because the consequence of pride will not be good in the end. God exalts the humble and he puts down the proud. God deserves glory. God deserves praise. It just, it's just so wonderful to hear as we sing Sunday after Sunday, and, and to hear this morning, to hear these voices of worship to God, to hear applause to God, 
to hear joy to the Lord as we focus on, as we consider what he's done for us. God deserves glory, should receive glory, and God's glory is not to be shared with another, with any others, as the prophet Isaiah declared in Isaiah chapter 42. God's glory, God will not share his glory with another because nobody else can can, can touch God, can hold a candle to him. God has the copyright on ultimate glory. You know? God's got the copyright on ultimate glory. Now let's read together verses 21 to 23. So then, let no one boast in people, for all things belong to you, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. You might ask the question, what do you mean all things belong to me? Well, there's the succession. If we go backwards from the end, that's how we understand. All things belong to God, and all things belong to Christ, who is God. And therefore, because we're in relationship with him, he has made available to us all things especially all good things, and then ultimately in glory, we will with him rule over all things. And so ultimately then in the spiritual, all things will be under us. Does that make sense? All things belong then to us only because or if we're in Christ, not from our own creativeness or intelligence or craftiness. Now, it seems the recipients of this letter, Paul talks about this earlier in the letter, or elsewhere in the letter. It seems the recipients, these believers in Corinth, were bickering and and, and bragging among themselves about which leader they followed. They'd say, uh, you know, well, I follow Silas. Silas is, is younger than Paul, and he's much more cool. And so I follow Silas. You know, and then the older folks say, well, you know, I, I can associate with Paul more because he didn't have the greatest vision. I mean, eyes. He didn't have great... So I, I just, you know, I love Paul. Paul's the real deal. Silas was just his little helper. Somebody else would say, well, no, no, you know, I, I follow Apollos because he's got a really cool name. I like Apollos. A cool personality. Anyway, for whatever reasons they might have come come up with. They might have said, you know, he's the better communicator. He's the better, he's the better leader. He's the better pastor. He's the one that I follow. And Paul is saying, it's not about that. Let's not brag about what person we follow, except for the person of Jesus Christ. Paul could have been flattered by this when people said, you know, I follow Paul. And unfortunately, there are far too many leaders Far too many church leaders who get flattered by the fact that people say they fall, they, I, I follow so-and-so. We get pretty big heads about that. May that never be. But his line in a later letter to the same church when he would write a second letter would be, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. As he said similarly here. Whatever accomplishment you and I experience in life, may we not take all the credit. I mean, we'll share it with others who who were involved, but what a great opportunity not to to self-deprecate, but rather to exalt God. 
What a great opportunity when we receive recognition of any kind to declare out loud honor to God and to give God the praise. Paul wrote, all things belong to you. You receive that in our understanding of of what that really means? God is the father of lights. He is the father and the giver of all good gifts. Those are the things that he gives to us. Anything that we need for life and godliness, he has made available to us. The Holy Spirit wisely distributes what he knows each of us can really handle. That's why we, we only currently live in and know and understand and experience a, a small fraction of that everything that's been made available or is being made available and will be made available. He wisely distributes also according to God's overall plan for creation. At the right time, at the right place. And if you read all the verses mentioned in that handout, and if you don't have one and you'd like one, uh, I, I, I would suggest you talk to, well, you talk to me if you'd like one. Let's start there, since you, maybe you know what I look like. But if you don't know who Chris is, otherwise, if you know who, who Chris Rutledge is, you can talk to him, because he knows, he works the photocopier better than I do. But we'd be happy for you to see that because as you read all the verses mentioned on that handout, you'll get an idea of the incredible spiritual identity and inheritance that belong to a follower of Jesus. There's a little phrase. I'm going to end with, end for a little bit, but end with these two words. There's a little phrase that Paul uses throughout his letters. He uses it about 90 times. It's a crucial two-word phrase. I'm just going to scratch the surface of it with a few of the times that he uses it. And the phrase is, in Christ. In Christ, or in Christ Jesus. This is where you belong. It's not a physical place. It's not a physical destination. But where you and I belong is in Christ. Some people talk about... uh, you know, if you're not a Calvinist, but you're an Armenian, if you don't know that conversation, just don't worry about it. Because <laughs> it's not all accurate. But, but, but the concern that some will have will say, well, if you believe a certain way, do you not believe that you could lose your salvation? And I want to say, as, as, as strenuously as I possibly could, that when I hear the word lose, I think about my keys. Salvation is not the sort of thing you go about misplacing. And so you have the confidence that as a follower of Jesus, that you are firmly, safely in his hand. Amen? Salvation is not something you're just going to misplace. Oh, no, I just, I did that, I shouldn't have done that, and now I lost it again. No. What that does is it affects our ongoing relationship with him, and so we confess our sin And we genuinely remorsefully do that so that we would stop doing that. And then that relationship is restored as it should be. Here are these occurrences. Please receive this as part of your identity in him. In Christ, you were known by God before creation, chosen to be holy and blameless. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says that. You've been known by God since before the creation of the world. He knew you. And chose you to be holy and blameless. That's what he's chosen us to be. Holy and blameless. Set apart 
and to be living more and more like Jesus as we allow him to be the greatest influence in our lives. Secondly, in Christ Jesus, you are loved by God with an inseparable love. From Romans chapter 8, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Maybe you need to hear that today. Thirdly, in Christ Jesus, you were redeemed. The payment was made and you were forgiven for all your sins, past, present, future. Not a license to keep sinning, but rather a reason to give thanks and to say, I don't want any part of that. And so, Lord, be my strength to experience victory over the darkness. Thirdly, in Christ Jesus, that was it. You were redeemed, forgiven of all your sins. Ephesians 1 verse 7. We have redemption through Jesus' blood. That's why we receive the cup today, the forgiveness of our sins. Fourthly, there are six. In Christ Jesus, you are justified before God. I think Pastor Wayne talked about that last week. When you're justified, it means that justice has been met by Jesus. He has made the legal requirement for you and me that we do not need to be punished for our sin. Whoa, what an incredible payment. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that he who knew no sin was made sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Fifthly, in Christ Jesus... You were made alive and seated in heavenly places. I often refer to this. You have been seated in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter 2. But God, uh, verses 4 to 6. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you've been saved and raised us up with him seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's what's going on in the spiritual realm with the one who lives outside of time. And finally, in Christ Jesus, you have become a new creation and a child of God. And you're also a friend of Jesus. We said that earlier. 2 Corinthians 5.17, if anyone is in Christ, some of you could complete this with me, he is a new creation or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we can't help but say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite Jada, Jada to come up. Uh, Jada's going to sing for us uh, a song. And here's, here's one of the amazing ways that the Holy Spirit works. So, so Mark uh, emailed me this week, late, late this week and said, this is part of the plan. Just so you know, uh, Jada's going to sing this song. And I went, oh my word. During the week, I had been thinking of the exact same song. And I heard it, I think it was at the Vancouver airport, where my son and I, we, we were out in BC last week. And we, we heard it there, and, and it, it's by, uh, so what's the name of the, of the artist? Lauren Daigle. Lauren Daigle. Lauren Daigle was one of Tarina's, my wife's, was one of her favorite uh, ministers to her spirit when she, when she struggled with, with all the emotions that came with cancer. And, 
and such meaningful words that were so often sung and so are so often sung by Lauren Daigle. And this particular song, and so when Mark, when Mark uh, emailed me about that, I just went, wow, because I wanted to reference it in this message today. And so I just did. But even better yet, we're going to, we're going to hear it sung. And rather than, than singing in response together today, this is going to be our response as, as Jada sings for us. And I just encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak deep into your spirit about what he thinks about you and what God believes about you and what God calls you. Uh, let's worship the Lord together. <laughs>